Hey y'all, this is Justin Mitchell from the Sun-Herald in Biloxi, Mississippi, and this is Out Here in America. Every other week, we're talking to members of the LGBTQ community across the country about their lives. This week, we're back in the Big Easy, going behind the scenes of New Orleans' famous nightlife with a stripper named Devin Ladner. The penthouse club is elegant and exciting, refined yet friendly, and packed wall-to-wall with gorgeous women. Devin lives in New Orleans with her fiancé, Alex Bear. Devin identifies as a queer woman. Alex is currently transitioning and goes by genderqueer. They met a few months after Devin left her hometown of Kill, Mississippi, where we went to high school together. I hated Mississippi for a little bit. Like, I was just, like, out of this, like, relationship where, I, like, my heart was completely broken and, like, I had lost all of my friends. I was being very self-destructive. Like, it was just, like, a really horrible time in my life. Today, Devin says stripping has helped her discover her worth. She publishes a popular blog and has become a powerful voice in promoting sex-positive inclusivity in New Orleans and the rest of the Deep South. I left Mississippi angry, and um, I returned very different, very different. (laughs) I've read Devin's work for years, but this was the first time I'd been to her home in New Orleans. There, Devin, Alex, and I talked about consent, emotional labor, and her rules of the road when it comes to stripping. Stick around on Out Here in America. Do you want me to move those blankets? Yes, yeah. it's totally up to you. <laughs> I'm <so> neurotic. <laughs> okay, so tell me everything that's going on in your life. Tell me everything. Um, I haven't seen you in forever. I'm writing my second book, been working on my blog. I'm like in this stage where I'm just like trying to do everything that I love and then like not really worry about anything else. You know what I mean? Like long term wise or like where it's headed or where it's going or anything like that. Like before we got here, I was trying to finish this article that I'm writing for Dragonfly, the sexual somatic body worker that I'm like interning for. And so I was writing an article about how porn is great, but not educational. (laughs) so that's like my life right now (laughs) so how did you and Alex get in New Orleans or how did you get in New Orleans rather yeah so I came to New Orleans I mean I was out in LA for four years and I hate LA a lot (laughs) Uh, and um for me, it really like left a bad taste in my mouth when it came to like the things that I was passionate about, like with writing and acting, because like when I would talk to people, it'd be more so about like what they could do for you and, um, and what you could do for them and not really about like, let's create something that's gonna change the world, you know? And so um, I ended up just doing a lot of things by myself. And then when I was able to like be successful with that, I was just like, why am I out here in Los Angeles doing this when I could be back home and like closer to my family and around people that I love and still do the things that I love. So I came back and I um, decided to move to New Orleans because New Orleans does have like a little bit of a film hub. It's not as big as like LA, but it's definitely still here. And the first week that I came out to New Orleans, I was looking for a job and my friends were like, go down Magazine Street and like apply at all the places there. Cause like I bartended out in LA, so that's what I was gonna do down here. And um, the like second place I walked in was the Rum House and uh, Alex was working that day. And, um, <laughs> and I like walked up and Alex was like, are you applying for a job? And I was like, yeah. And then they went and like talked to the manager and I like filled out an application. And apparently when I left, Alex was like, 
you need to hire her. <laughs> Something did draw me to her, you know? And still at that time, I like to say she wasn't necessarily my type, but I felt that sexual energy with her. I felt it and I wanted to kind of learn more about it. And it was always pretty like, heavy in that department, <laughs> which kept it fun. And it didn't take long. I mean, like maybe like three or four days and um, we like went out and like hung out one night and then ever since then, like we've been inseparable. Had you dated a woman before Alex? Not um, dated, but I had been with women physically before Alex. Like I'd been like with women, um, like in a sexual sense, but not I'd never like had an emotional relationship with a woman. I think sometimes back to like my friendships though and how in, like how intimate they were, you know? Like I always wonder if intimacy is like so complicated and it's so much more than like what we think it is, you know? So I'd never in the sense been like no, I'd never called someone like my girlfriend before, you know, before Alex. But yeah. I knew Devin as Devin who dated this one guy <laughs> throughout high school and then like into college too. And <laughs> then Devin has a wild streak, Devin goes to LA, <laughs> Devin comes home, and Devin's dating Alex. <laughs> and that's, that's like, yeah. and it's, it's just really refreshing to hear that like, you know, there are other people who like to explore where we're from, but it's so just like not talked about or looked yeah. down upon. Yeah. It's so crazy because I think about so many things that as a Southern person that I was like ingrained with, and you know, and that was one. And then also I remember like my views about, you know, like people that were like, pro-choice and how I felt about that at one point in my life. When I moved out to LA, the first place that I moved to was um, West Hollywood. And West Hollywood is like Boys Town. Like it was crazy to walk down the street and see like queer people holding hands. You know what I mean? Like it blew my mind to watch them like making out in a corner. Cause like that was just something I'd never seen. You know, like I, I mean, I'd seen it, but not in the sense of this is normal. Like we're just like, I was given so much freedom to be me and to find out what that meant. And I just kind of like rolled with it. Like I went, I did what Devin felt like doing and that looked like a lot of different things, you know? <laughs> What's your favorite thing about being in New Orleans? I feel like New Orleans has the heart that LA lacked. New Orleans is really like a hub of weird, eccentric people, and it's awesome. <laughs> Do you fit in? Um, we don't know if like New Orleans is going to be like the place that we like decide to like raise our kids at. You know, um, I definitely want it to be like in the South, but I don't know if like this is the place. And um, and so I don't know that I ever like fit. Feel like I fit in anywhere. Um, even in like the sex positive community, I'm kind of like like odd in some ways. And so like. The whole idea of like whether or not this is community, I don't know that I found it yet. And I don't know if it is out there. I don't know if like that's just me. <laughs> What's your struggle in the sex positive community? Like what do you think makes you different? I'm still like a little shy. Like I'm not I'm not one to like when I went to Domcom and stuff like that, they're just so open. They're just so free. Like they will like perform in front of you. They will like, um, you know, ask you if you're like into something or if you want to try something with them. And I'm just kind of, I was, I'm very like, I'm kind of prude when it comes to like, the sex positive <laughs> community. And um, which is funny because in other areas, you know, like if I went home, like no one would ever call me that ever. <laughs> no, it would be totally different yeah. terminology if you were at home. Yeah. People don't know what BDSM is. Yeah. <laughs> like what? <laughs> right. Leather? What do you mean? <laughs> so your New Orleans adventure is kind of crazy too because you came home on a mm -hmm. whim and you got a job at a bar mm -hmm. and you know you met Alex and and then you're writing for these sex positive you know media this media and these newsletters and yeah and 
And now you're doing something different. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I'm stripping full time. Yeah, I think <laughs> I love it because it has been authentic to me. Yeah, like now I'm stripping full time and this is the first time that I've been in a serious relationship since the relationship that like you knew me to be in that's been like healthy and um, having an adult relationship is like really new. That's really made me change as a person, you know, like being able to communicate with someone else about the things that you want and the things that you need and making sacrifices and then also like just going through difficult conversations with someone else. I tell everyone else now that I think relationships are really about like whether or not you're capable of fighting with someone in a, in a positive and healthy way, you know, like that's Absolutely. <laughs> every day. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, I think that's really like what makes a relationship. Like, can we talk about difficult things and like make it through? <laughs> Even if you get into a fight and no one says sorry, you still at the end of the day like want to come home and laugh with them. Yeah. And that, that says a lot to me because you, you really think you want someone who like goes through life and has the same feelings and the same beliefs as you do. And that's really sometimes just like totally not the case. Yeah. What was the conversation like when Alex, when you were like, I think I'm going to dance. I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was cocktail waitressing at a strip club as a second job. And like, that was okay. And then I would bring it up to Alex a lot. I would just be like, if you saw the amount of money these girls were making, like, it's just, I would just, like, come home and talk to Alex about that a lot. And I think we had like, four or five conversations probably about it before then. And then um, it was able to pay the bills in a very large way. And, um, and the great thing about dancing is that, like, you're technically an independent contractor. So if I didn't want to continue doing it or if we had problems, like, I could always stop. And I think that was really, like, the freedom in it was just that if we don't like this or if this becomes too difficult, then we can stop. And it took a lot of also difficult conversations in the beginning. We realized that, like, it's just, like, a natural feeling to be, like, jealous or to be, like, you know, worried or anything. And so had to have a lot of conversations about like what my work was and like how it didn't mean anything to do with like our relationship, you know, like how very different it is, what I do there and, um, and how I am here. You said earlier that Alex is kind of like your first adult relationship and that really struck out to me. And when you met Alex, you know, she identified as a lesbian who used the she pronouns. Is it weird dancing for men on a stage? No. Men are very simple. <laughs> um, <laughs> like uh, heterosexual uh, <laughs> men are very. I don't know. They're. I feel like I. I understand them. I feel like they're. I feel like I've spent most of my life like seemingly surrounded by heterosexual men. That they're just like. I get it. You know. It doesn't feel strange or weird. And I just love like playing that game. I love flirting. I don't, I would flirt with the wall, you know, like it doesn't even have to talk back. <laughs> <laughs> I read the other day, because I read your blog and the thing that really stuck out to me and I, I shared it and I shared the quote and you talked about how like your views on consent has changed. Like mm -hmm. you had mentioned that you like knew your worth because like now it typically, if people cat called you on the street, you'd be like, whatever. But now it's like, I get paid to do this. Yeah. So stop. Yeah. I mean, has stripping helped you in any way? Oh yeah, definitely. With stripping, I'm getting paid large amounts of money to hold a space for men. And sometimes for women, um, <laughs> not as much, but sometimes, um, but I'm being paid like a large amount to listen to them in a vulnerable and kind way to like talk with them, to like, 
be intimate with them, you know, in the sense of like caressing them or holding them or whatever. Like I'm getting paid like hundreds of dollars to do this. And so now like on the street, if I was sitting at a bar and some man just started talking to me and decided that he was gonna tell me about all about his day and how horrible he is and like he's looking for me to listen to him and then maybe also, you know, stroke his ego and make him feel like everything's gonna be okay and that he's worth something. Beforehand, I would have done that out of like, one, I probably was, I'm just trying to have a good time and I'm worried that you're gonna act like a fool, you know, like if I end up not giving you that attention, which I think is just like a fear most women have. But now I'd be like, listen, dude, I'm sorry, like I'm here and um, I don't have to listen to you, you know, like I'm just not here for this, like thanks. And I feel more comfortable saying that now because like I know that if he wants to go find that, he can go find that and he can pay for it, you know? And like, I think that it's just given me a lot of confidence in my own voice and I just don't let it control me anymore. You know, you only hear about strip clubs in the news when like something really bad happens. When I first saw at the paper, Jaron Lockhart, who was a stripper here, you know, she was like dismembered and chopped up after work. A gruesome mystery washes ashore on the mighty Mississippi, leaving this chilling imprint in the sand of a headless body. But that's all you ever hear. You never hear about like these people who are doing things with their lives or who are finding something beautiful out of it like you do, or someone who's like helping be the strong woman in their family. Yeah. And, just to have that interaction to maybe for one second to let your guard down. And it's just such an interesting perspective, I feel. Yeah. Most of the women I work with are single mothers. Majority of them, like 80% are like single mothers and like bourbon strip clubs are getting a lot of heat right now because like these articles were all released about sex trafficking happening in New Orleans and how some of it's happening in the clubs, all of this. So we went and talked to this guy about it and he was interviewing us and asking us questions and he was asking about how like in a club somebody will begin on a lap dance and they turn around and like a guy is like pulled out his like what does that say about the club? And I'm like, do you realize that happens everywhere in real life? The instances aren't just in the club, you know? They just like to point that out because they think that since sexuality is present that all of these things are happening more, but that's obviously not the case. Like we know that especially right now with all of the stuff that's been happening, that sexual abuse just happens everywhere, <laughs> not just in the club, you know? How do you think people in our hometown would react? You hear him when you're like, I'm a stripper. How do you think that that would go down? Um, I mean, I've lost some family. I've lost some family, yeah. Uh, there's a like part of my family that doesn't talk to me at all anymore, and I didn't expect that to happen, and I don't know actually if that was because like me coming out as being a stripper or if that was me being engaged to Alex. Like, you know, like, who knows if it's because I'm gay or if it's because I'm a stripper. Probably both, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, the question, the question on my pad, was it harder for you to tell your family in Mississippi that you were dating a woman or that you were a dancer? <laughs> um, I think, I felt a weird energy in the sense that, not with my immediate family, but with other people that, oh, like you're actually going to marry Alex. This isn't just a phase, you know? <laughs> and I think I felt a little bit switch in that. They had to really accept it if I was gonna like stay around. I think some of them really just thought, oh, Devin's just being crazy and wild like Devin is, and this isn't like a real thing. And then it became really real. But telling, telling them that I was stripping was really hard because of the idea that people have of strippers that 
your life is going to go nowhere. So like you might as well strip, you know, I think that's what people think about stripping. And so telling them that I was really worried that they were going to be disappointed in me. Like they were going to be disappointed that my life had ended up like this, which isn't the case, you know, like stripping has been so valuable to me in so many ways. It really is just one of the best things that's ever happened to me. I'm really grateful that I found it. Do you think you could be who you are right now if you lived an hour east back in the kill where we're from? If I had never gotten out? Yeah. <sighs> That's hard. I think that, I don't know why I'm getting emotional about this, I'm sorry. Um, I think that I would have struggled a lot. I think that I would have been incredibly depressed, suicidal, all of those things because where we're from is so small and it can be really hateful at times. You know, it was really hateful when I was young. And I think about all of the people that like don't know that life exists elsewhere, you know, like a different life and a life that you want going to West Hollywood and seeing people be able to hold hands on the streets was like a life-changing moment for me. And to realize that I can be like whoever I want so if we were going to change that question around, do I think that I could be who I am today if I was there now and like just coming into myself? Maybe. And it's because of people like you. It's because of people finally being like, hey, like this is us and we're not going anywhere and you're gonna like listen. And like, that's so important. And I don't think people were like that when we were younger, you know? Like, I don't know that we had very many people to look up to or to like- The culture's definitely changed, I think in a decade where we're from. I think there are more rainbow flags and like all are welcome signs than Mississippi flags with a Confederate emblem on them. And it's, yeah. it's a really strange thing to see when, you know, I was never really out in high school, but I was the only in my four years there, aside from three other people, there were only like four people who were noticeably gay, you know? And now, like when you think about who you graduated with and how many more people have explored their sexualities and you look at schools now and kids are just so just like, here's who I am. It's so crazy how it's changed yeah. there. I didn't realize that was, we, we were capable yeah, we of never, doing that. I never that. knew that was an option. Yeah. I never knew I had the voice to do that. And yeah. I don't know if it's just like the way that you were raised, just like respect people who are older than you. And if you didn't really think what they, you thought, didn't believe yeah. what they thought, but like, I think that's totally different now. And kids these days just are gonna challenge everything. Yeah, and I'm super excited to see what that looks like. And I think that it's definitely not like the place that I came from, you know? <laughs> You know, it's just really interesting to me that you made your way back down south. I didn't know if you were ever going to come back from L.A. Yeah. You know, Justin, like, I honestly think that you had a lot to do with this. Like, I realized that you were standing in your truth in, like, a place that was really difficult to do that. And I was just like, we all need to do this. Because if we all did this, then we can really make a change, you know? Like, we're not the only queer like weird people from you know like our small town I think for a long time it was just like we need to get out of there we need to get out of there because we weren't like embraced or accepted or whatever and then when I saw like you calling it home because it is home you know and being like there's light here and I'm going to like shed even more light was like super inspiring and I realized that like, it's kind of like our duty you know like I think um I wasn't scared anymore. Like I wasn't scared anymore to be like, this is the person that I am. And 
I don't care what you think and other people feel the same way that I am and like I need to like be strong enough to be back in that place and like not back down, not make any apologies for that person so that way I can help other people that might be feeling the same way. Thanks to Devin Ladner and Alex Bear for sitting down with me and Amanda McCoy, Jordan Marie Smith and Davin Coburn for producing Out Here in America. We'll be back in two weeks with more stories like this. But in the meantime, subscribe to Out Here in America on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Leave us a review, and we'll see y'all soon on Out Here in America. Mm-hmm.